Let's open the Word of God to John chapter 7, the Gospel of John, the seventh chapter, where we have three transcendent, wonderful verses of invitation and offering and prophecy of the gift of the Holy Ghost. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. You may ask me, or be thinking to yourselves, does he care about the rest of the chapter? Yes, indeed I do. But the rest of the chapter doesn't measure up to these three verses. The rest of this chapter we can cover in short order. It sets forth the division that Jesus Christ caused among the people of Israel and among the rulers of Israel. He was a divider. He did not come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword, and he was very effective at that. What you just heard this morning is already divisive. Most people don't want to hear what you've already heard this morning. Most people don't want to sing what we've already sung this morning. They want to have a praise band, entertain them with fables and entertainment, rather than to hear about a sovereign God that mocks his enemies, confounds them, and is holy and expects us to hate evil, which was all in Psalm 97. I am not in a hurry to leave these three verses, but we will end them today. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, and I hope you never forget them. And so we linger. Verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. These verses are transcendent, meaning that they surpass and excel most verses in what it is telling us is coming at that time. It's past to us. The day of Pentecost was a six months, seven months away at this time. Pentecost is 2,000 years old to us. And this event has taken place. The Holy Ghost was given. I want you to think about when I say transcendent, what I mean by this prophecy surpassing others. We rejoice in the great mystery of godliness, which tells us that God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus was named Emmanuel, God with us. This is greater than that. This is God in us. Jesus knew the difference. Jesus told his apostles, it is expedient for you that I go away, because if I go away, I will send you another comforter that will not just be with you, he'll be in you. John 14, 17. The God that you heard my brother describe dwells in his obedient people. That is phenomenal truth. That is transcendent invitation. If any man thirst, this world never satisfies thirst, only temporary. The pleasures of sin for a season. We're unhappy, we're miserable, we're lonely, we're bored, we're frustrated. Solomon said, and he tried more things than you can even dream about. Solomon tried them all and said, all is vanity, all is vanity of vanities, all is vanity, and vexation of spirit. That's being thirsty. If any man thirst... Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, that's what it means to come to Christ, 
to love Christ, to believe on Him, to think about Him in everything you do, out of His belly shall flow rivers of living water. Singular water, plural rivers, out of your belly, so superabundant, so overflowing, and so diffusive that it will be all around you if you truly believe on Him, trust His promises, and partake of the divine nature and realize the blessing of God in us. It's greater than the incarnation. Just as God is greater than Jesus in His mediatory role in human flesh, as we just heard in the prayer that Jesus Christ will be subordinate and subject to God, we can be filled with all the fullness of God ourselves. And I am not putting Jesus down. I am putting Him in His proper place as our mediator who secured for us this gift of God in us by sanctifying and redeeming us and adopting us as the children of God. Now I want you to remember the invitation of verse 37. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So I want to share another invitation with you. I've given you one this morning from Revelation 22 and verse 17. But now let's go to Isaiah 55. Will you turn to Isaiah 55 with me and allow me a couple minutes in this place to remind you of the transcendent pleasure, fatness, joy that you can have free from God if you will turn away from the unsatisfying, frustrating things of this world. Ho! Did I get your attention? That's what it was there for. Isaiah 55 and verse 1. Look at the first word. And I'm not pretending I'm Santa Claus. I didn't say ho, ho, ho. I said ho. Ho. Everyone that thirsteth. Oh. So the Lord Jesus Christ quoted scripture from time to time. So John in Revelation chapter 22 is writing similar things to John chapter 7, which was similar to Isaiah 55. I think we already heard this morning there's only one author to the whole book. Right. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. That sounds familiar. And he that hath no money, because it's free, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come. Did we hear that word? And the spirit and the bride say, Come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. That is a feast. And that is, there is a free lunch. It is the gospel. And it's free every day of your lives and it extends through eternity. You can eat forever. You can eat in unlimited quantity. It entirely satisfies. There's no waste. And on and on it goes forever. Free. And it's the gospel. And it's verse 1 of Isaiah 55. Verse 2. Wherefore, why in the world? Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Why do you chase things that don't really make you happy? Why do you chase things that don't really fulfill or satisfy you? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. There it is again, that invitation. Hear. Let him that heareth come. 
Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Because of the gospel going first to the Jews, the Gentiles wanted to hear it that were born again, and they called for the Jews to come and preach to them. What did Cornelius do? Did Cornelius send to Joppa for one named Simon Peter to come and preach to him? So nations would call, him of the Italian band would call, and these Jewish preachers would go and turn the world upside down. This is a prophecy of the gospel. In verse 1, oh Lord help me, I could spend the rest of the day on these five verses. These five verses are wonderful, and I have spent a little bit of time on them in the past. And if you want to find them on the website, it's called Feast or Famine, Missing God's Best. Because God has a plan for your life, and it is His best, and this is the way to find it. It's to eat and drink of His gospel, and to put aside the things of this world that you pay for, and that you work so hard for, that don't satisfy. The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ offers free wine and milk to thirsty and hungry souls. Verse 1. Ho is an exclamation to get your attention. Does the Holy Spirit have your undivided attention? If any man thirsts, Jesus would say, the Spirit and the bride say, come. He that is a thirst, let him come. Are you thirsty in your soul? Do you feel bored, confused, discontented, dried up, empty, frustrated, lonely, Missing out, perplexed, sad, unfulfilled, or wasted? We feel that way at times. It's because we've been distracted away from the free feast of fat things that God gives through Jesus Christ. The God of heaven offers sweet refreshment and nourishment for you at no cost at all to you. The cost was His. The cost was the death of His Son. The cost was Him giving up His Son. The cost was him turning his back on his son when he hung on the cross of Calvary. Why would anyone ignore satisfying delights for frustrating fare that does not satisfy and it costs you? But that's what we do. That's what men do. They cost themselves by chasing those things that don't satisfy. It takes their time. It takes their money. It takes their worry when there's this free, worry-free, care-free way to live by embracing Jesus Christ in the gospel. Men put great expense and effort into finding happiness in foolish delusions of this world, but those things have already been proven by Solomon to be entirely vanity and vexation of spirit. And we know that too. The older we get, the more we know it. And yet there's satisfaction in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have this wonderful passage of Scripture. If you hear God's offer... From John 7, Revelation 22, Matthew 11, Isaiah 55, Psalm 122, wherever you want to turn, if you hear God's offer, believe Him and seek Him, He will show you His covenant. That's the third verse. He'll show you His covenant. Incline your ear. That means you've got to bend down and hear. Incline your ear and listen. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear. Hear me. Your soul shall live. Light will be sown for the righteous. Gladness for the upright in heart. You heard from Psalm 97. 
That's in verse 3. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. That is that my Savior, the Son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be yours, your brother, your leader, your commander, as we're going to read in the next verse. Verse 4, Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, not all the people, the chosen people of God, a leader and commander to the people. Nowhere else in the Bible is this word used, commander. Jesus Christ is the leader and commander of his people. He's my leader and commander. Do you love him? You know, you can read about famous generals in the history of the United States. We can read about a George Patton who didn't want to end at Berlin. He wanted to go on to Moscow and clean up Europe for all time to come. We can read about MacArthur who didn't want to end at the Yalu River but wanted to go in and get the Red Chinese out of the world. You know, we read about generals like that and we Americans get thankful and proud and excited about such generals, yet... We have a leader and a commander of the people that sits on the throne of heaven that rules the universe. Amen. And he is Jehovah in the flesh that you heard about from my brother this morning from Psalm 97. Right. He is what he gives you. You want a leader? You want someone to work for that's perfect? You want someone to be your commander? You want someone you can trust in? You want someone to follow? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And he, what does he say? If any man thirst, let him come unto me. Do you want to join the army of heaven, let him come unto me and drink. Amen. But no one wants to come because no one's thirsty unless God's done a work of grace already in their hearts. Right. Verse 5 tells us that the Gentiles will be converted, that the Jews would call a nation that they didn't know, and nations that didn't know them would run to them because of the Lord their God. And so it was in the conversion of the Gentiles in the days of the New Testament. Much more could be said from this passage, but I want you to remember the words, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come and get a meal of wine and honey, wine and milk, free water. It's free for your souls. It satisfies. Why will you keep chasing on the treadmill the things of this life? And it's just held out in front of you because it's, you're never going to achieve it. So you just keep pushing the up arrow a few more times to get that treadmill moving a little bit faster as you reach for this to find some satisfaction in life and then it hurls you off into hell and you spend eternity in the lake of fire. Why don't you jump off the world's treadmill and walk behind the Lord Jesus Christ? His yoke is easy, his burden is light, and his arrow is the down arrow. Because he's done all the heavy lifting for us. Amen. He's done all the heavy running for us. We get to follow in his wake, hold on to his coattails, and love those coattails, and they'll take you through time and eternity to spend everlasting life with him in heaven. Right. Let's go back to J John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. Come. Four comes in Revelation twenty-two seventeen. And here we have a come in John 7, 37 that I don't want you to forget, and so I linger. And I dilly-dally around on this text. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. What an invitation and what an offer. But you got to thirst. And at times we don't thirst. Because we, get a, we don't do any self-examination. We get content with a certain measure of natural, personal, family, domestic, professional, financial, 
accomplishments and we become somewhat satisfied. Just like Israel of old, when God would bless them, they would rejoice in their prosperity and they would forget God. You know the expression when God used the nickname for Israel, Jeshurun, Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. It's when we're prosperous and we live in a land of prosperity. We live in a time of luxury. We don't work hard enough. There's not enough to do for most people. And so they get content and complacent and we're thirsty. We hardly know it. But if we examine ourselves and ask ourselves, how happy, fulfilled, and glad am I, like Psalm 97 told me to be, we find out that we're thirsty. And if we come before the Lord Jesus Christ, and if we come into the house of God, we find that we're thirsty. We hear the testimonies of others that are not thirsting. We read about the joy in the Word of God, and we want that. And we, see, we know that we're lacking it. And so all we have to do is turn again to Christ. You have to run after Him again. John Mark turned away from Paul and Barnabas on their first evangelistic preaching trip in Acts chapters 13 and 14, but he came back. Later on, he was very useful to the Apostle Paul. We can turn back. David turned away at times, but came back. And the Lord restored to him the joy of his salvation. We just need to turn back to Christ and make him the center of our lives, the center of our thoughts, the center of our speech, the center of our actions, the center of our service. We make him the center. We set our affection on him. We delight in him. We look and at the features told us about Jesus Christ and the word of God. And we rejoice in him and he lights us up again. He sows light in our souls. He fills us with the Holy Spirit and overwhelms us. You say, I've never had that. Then you may not be saved. If you've never had it, then humble yourself and repent for never having it and run to Christ. Amen. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Amen. When he says come, he means it. But you understand, the only ones that will ever come are the ones he's already turned by grace to look toward him. But he's never turned anyone away. And him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Amen. In no wise will he cast you out. Go to him. And you will realize these benefits. This is the truest offer and invitation that's ever been made to you. Salesmen lie, but not the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 7, don't forget it. Drink means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of God, that He was in this world, that He is the Prince of the kings of the earth, that he's the blessed and only potentate, that he's coming again, that he's not ashamed to be your brother, that he can be a friend of the people of God, that he can call the apostles, those poor fishermen of Galilee, his friends, as you read last evening. It means to come to Christ with life-changing faith and to love him. And if you set your love on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit that bears witness of him will fill you with the love of God, and it can overwhelm you. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We've already referred to some of these phrases and clauses last Lord's Day. But let's think about this one in verse 38. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The living waters are the gift of the Holy Spirit because the next verse tells us so precisely. This happened at the day of Pentecost. Penta means 50, like Pentagon has five sides. Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. Passover. Fifty days after Jesus died on the cross, 
He was sitting at the right hand of God, and God gave to him the Holy Spirit to give to the believers on earth. And he did, and he poured out that Spirit, and they spoke in tongues. There was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. There were cloven tongues of fire on their head, and they turned the world upside down. Their character changed. When the Holy Spirit fills a man, his character changes. Peter, who was timid to a little handmaiden of the high priest, just 50 days earlier, is now boldly declaring the truth of Jesus Christ to the assembled Jews in Jerusalem. They beat him, and they beat John, and they went back to the church that was praying for them, rejoicing that they were beaten. Hey, John, look at the stripes on my back. I think they're bigger than your stripes. They loved it. They went back rejoicing that they had been able to suffer for Jesus Christ. What a difference. Who made the difference? The Holy Spirit in those men made the difference. Saul of Benjamin, though he was taller than anyone else in Israel, was a timid man. He hid among the stuff at his own coronation, the Bible tells us. Yet God put his spirit on King Saul and he became another man. God can make you another man and can make you another woman and can make you another teen if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and seek him with your whole heart out of your belly can flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit can overwhelm your inadequacies, your timidity, your personality, and make you better for the service of God and the service of His people. When it says belly in this 38th verse, it means your internal parts, your heart, your soul, your spirit, your conscience. The flow of rivers represents a very large supply with a perpetual source. A river has a supply. A river is a long-standing, continuing flow of water. That means there's a supply. There's a fountainhead for it, and it keeps on flowing, and it's a lot because it can't be contained in one place, so it continues to flow to other places where it can find some relief from backing up. There's just an overabundant supply out of his belly, out of your internal parts, will flow a never-ending supply from an unlimited fountainhead, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. It's an internal gift of God's presence to men that would overwhelm their inadequacies, weaknesses, and faults. The exact topic at hand is an infinite divine being dwelling in a finite man. The God of Psalm 97 dwelling in you. Not with you, not around you, not at a place where you've got to go to find him, meet him, like in the Old Testament. Abraham had to go to Bethel, El Beth the house of God, the house of Elohim. Abraham had to go there to meet God. Moses had to go to the tabernacle. The high priest got to go in one time a year behind the veil in the Holy of Holies to meet God. Solomon never got to go into the Holy of Holies of his temple. The priest only got to go in there one time. You get to have him in you because he says your body is his temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and it is such a basic point of the gospel and the doctrine of Jesus Christ and Christianity after Pentecost that Paul would write about it this way. What? 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 Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? That's the gift of the Holy Ghost, brother. I'm... I've got so much to say, and you know I'm not going to be able to say it all, but it is a document. 
It's called the gift of the Holy Ghost and the corruption that you know about and a few others in here know about. This is the gift. It's God in us right. making this the temple. This group of assembled believers is a temple as well. But this is the temple that comes on each individual believer when the Holy Spirit comes inside us. And it is so basic and so fundamental and repeated so many times that Paul would say, what? That is how he started a verse. It's 1 Corinthians 6.19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The most important thing you should ever think about your body is not the size of your right bicep, Shane. It's not the size of your right thigh, Zach. The important thing about your body is it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Right. That's how close God is. And we can grieve Him very easily by putting things in through these two holes that He disapproves of and things through these two holes that He disapproves of and saying things with this flapping piece of muscle hanging in your mouth that, that He doesn't approve of and you can grieve Him. That is to offend. That is to offend and hurt the feelings of the living God. And so He's quenched. Instead of being a bright light that's been sown in you, instead of being a flame in you, He's been quenched down to a little dull pilot light. We don't want a pilot light in us. Right. We want a burning flame. We don't want a cup of water. We want rivers of living water flowing out of us. Right. And it is all measured by the proportion and degree of your love of Christ. Amen. Don't make it complicated. How much do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? I didn't say doctrine. I didn't say church. I didn't say King James Bible. I said what the church and doctrine and the King James Bible is all about. The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, search the King James Bible, for in it you think you have eternal life, and it is that which testifies of me. John 5, 39. We've already had that verse in our study of John. Tongues were a great miracle at Pentecost, even though it was the least gift God ever gave the church. Right. Speaking in tongues is the least gift God ever gave the church. The Bible lists the gifts in order and ranks them from top to bottom. The top gift is being an apostle. The bottom gift is speaking in tongues. The list is in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 31. But it happened, and it was impressive because it was the first time that it happened on the day of Pentecost when those Galilean fishermen that could barely speak the Jews' language were speaking fluently in other languages that men had been born in that were at Jerusalem to worship. And so they heard in languages that they had known their whole lives without accent, purely delivered by these Galilean fishermen. That was a miracle. But there was also their change in character that I've already mentioned that gave boldness to Peter and John to preach the gospel the way that they did. This Holy Spirit can shed abroad. Now, did you hear from Psalm 97? That is re reference number five. I can keep track of a few things these days. That is reference number five to Psalm 97. Did you hear about light being sown? And light refers to a, like a beautiful day rather than a cloudy, dark, dull day. It's a beautiful day being sown in your life of goodness and blessing and favor. God can shed abroad in your heart His love for you. God inside you can talk to you inside you in a way no one else can talk to you. And this God can shed abroad, widely disperse, shine into every nook and corner that he loves you. That is Romans 5.5. 5. 
The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. God gave us His presence, His person, His power inside us to shine into every nook and corner of our hearts that God loves us. Well, I just haven't heard that voice. Then why don't you love His Son? Love His Son, and you'll hear that voice. You've offended the Holy Ghost. You've been excited about your family. You've been concerned about your bodily health instead of your spiritual health. And so you've quenched him, you've grieved him, you've hurt his feelings, and he withdraws, and he tells us that he withdraws. And if you offend him enough, he'll turn to be your enemy. Isaiah 63 and verse 10. The Holy Spirit can turn to be your enemy, and when he's your enemy and he's on the inside, he can cause you grief that you've never been caused by anyone else. He can cause you to be more frustrated, disappointed, and lonely than anyone else could ever make you. And it's because you offended him. Let's not offend him any longer. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. Was there any collaboration today? None. He causes God-haters to cry passionately, Abba, Father! Father! What causes a God-hater to do that? The power of the Holy Ghost in them. That Holy Spirit, that's Romans 8.15, that's Galatians 4.6, it's in the Bible twice. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit witnesses to our spirit that we are the sons of God. There is a conversation going on inside with our spirits when we're walking with God, delighting in Christ, loving Christ, have come to Him, told Him that we're thirsty. Give me to drink, Lord Jesus. He can tell you that you're a son of God in your heart. And you can say back to Him, Thank you, Dad, for adopting me. Thank you, Father, for adopting me. I love you. Do you have those conversations with the Lord? Let's have more of them. That's the goal. That's the higher ground that we seek as a church. He can fill any believer with all joy and peace and abounding hope. We are talking about out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Romans 15, 13, now the God of hope fill you with all joy. How much joy is that? Fill you with all joy. Fill you with all joy and peace. If he fills you with all peace, how much peace is that? You say, I don't feel very peaceful. My life's just upset. I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. You have a problem. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a problem. You have a problem. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Oh, well, that matches with this. Be surprised. This is the word of God with one author. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Right. Romans 15, 13. He's able to fill you with all joy, all peace, and abounding hope. And it tells us exactly how. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Right. And see, that power of the Holy Ghost is not miracles. That power of the Holy Ghost is not raising the dead. It's not speaking in tongues. That power of the Holy Ghost is being filled with all joy, all peace, and abounding hope. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Fruit is always greater than miracles. Miracles are worthless. Judas did all the miracles. Why don't the Charismatics and Pentecostals ever think about that? Judas Iscariot did all the miracles, but he had none of the fruit. We want the fruit, and we don't care about the miracles. The miracles went away 2,000 years ago anyway. 
That's why the Apostle Paul couldn't heal his best friends. When Paul's favorite ministerial student and teacher, Timothy, had stomach issues, Paul didn't send him a handkerchief or an apron, whom he had sent, which he had sent to other people before to heal them. He told Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake, because I can't help you anymore. And by the way, Timothy, he said this in his epistle to Timothy, I've left Trophimus sick at Miletum, because I can't heal him either. Because those miracles went away when the New Testament was completed, there was no need for a miracle. We have the complete revelation of God in the New Testament scriptures. He can fill you with these things. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 8. I shared this at a prayer meeting this week, but look at 2 Corinthians 9, 8 to understand out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, the all-sufficient supply of the Holy Spirit of God. This is the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 encouraging the rich church of Corinth to give because they were stingy. There was a poor church, Philippi of Macedonia in northern Greece. Corinth was in southern Greece in Achaia, the two provinces of Greece, Macedonia in the north, Achaia in the south. Philippi was a church in in Macedonia in the north, they were poor, but they gave liberally. Throughout the Bible, the New Testament, there's mentions made of them, and Paul's trying to encourage Corinth to be givers. And he's explaining this here in verse 8. And all the verses around it are about giving. You know, in in verse 7, it says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, and the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So to remind you of the context, you can see it in verse 7. But I want verse 8. And God is able. What is the power of God? It is the Holy Spirit. God is able. God can perform work. God can do things. God has power. God is able to make all grace. Now, how much grace is that? That is all grace. And God is able to make all grace drip toward you abound toward you, that ye always, how often is that? Having all sufficiency, how sufficient is this power of God and his grace toward you? Having all sufficiency in all things, how many things is that? How many aspects of pleasing God are you going to be short of grace in? None. May abound. What's that word in there for again? Does it mean drip? may abound to every. How many good works is that? Do you have that verse in your life? Does this verse describe our church? No and no. So that's why we're preaching it. The Lord's led us to this passage. The Lord's led us to this verse right now because there's a few in here that know that I've been worked up about this verse. And I just got to share it with you. And I hope you like it. I hope you like every and all sufficiency and all and all again and abound and abound again and yet another all in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. That's what God is able to do towards you. How is he able to do it? By the power of the Holy Ghost. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There'll be more than enough to do every single thing you need to do and you'll be diffusive in helping others do those things as well. 
There's divine power. You're in 2 Corinthians. Pop back to chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and see another statement about this power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, we Baptists are afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. We want to be afraid of not talking about the Holy Spirit and learning His doctrine. What? What, you Baptists? Know ye not, you Baptists? That your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. We've, ha we've had a problem. Baptists have a problem because they're afraid of the Pentecostal excesses. But we can't be afraid of excesses we're not going to get near to embrace the truth that we're going to love and, and follow. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is talking about the New Testament's superiority to the Old Testament. 2 Corinthians 3 compares Moses and the Old Testament to Jesus in the New Testament, and Jesus in the New Testament is superior to Moses in the Old in every respect. Amen. And it gets down to verse 18. It talks about Moses having to have a veil over his face, which you've already heard about this morning. We've heard so many things today already. A veil over his face when he came down from Mount Sinai after being in the presence of God because Israel couldn't stand to look at his face. It was too bright. But we don't have a veil in the New Testament. God's unveiled himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we built, I've built the case in context to this 18th verse. But we all, we're not like those Old Testament people with a veil over Moses' face, but we all in the New Testament with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. The glory of the God of Psalm 97 is seen in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ but we all in the New Testament with open face, no veil, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. What image? What is the image of God? The Lord Jesus Christ is the image of God. We are changed into the same image, a glorious image, reflecting God's glory from glory to glory. We advance in stages and levels of glory. How do we do it? Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ gives us His Spirit, which is the power in us to change our lives. How do we get it going? He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What is faith in the New Testament? Faith is a life-changing experience of commitment to the Word of God and to the Lord of that Word and a love of Him and embracing Him and His ways for the rest of your life. That's a brief summary of faith. And when you do that, you have power in you to change you into the glorious image of Jesus Christ who reflects God's glory in this world. And it reflects Him in the gospel. You can be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The things in your life that are weak, the things in your life that aren't like Christ, the things in your life that should be, you can gain the victory by the power of the Holy Ghost. Look at 2 Corinthians 12 while we're in this chapter. There is divine power available for believers to live a glorious Christian life. That doesn't mean you're not going to sin. It means you're going to confess your sin instead of wallowing in it. Wallowing in it is of the devil. Right. Confessing your sin is of the Lord. He knows you're going to sin. He knows you're going to sin 10,000 times more before he takes you out of this world. He knows that. But are you going to confess it, forsake it, repent of it, jump up and go forward? That's what he wants you to do. 2 Corinthians 12, we're talking about the power, the superabundant power flowing out of believers. Look at the Apostle Paul and what he had to say. He had a thorn in his flesh. 
and it buffeted him. It pounded him daily. He wanted to be rid of it. He prayed three times for God to take that thorn in the flesh away from him. It was a messenger of Satan. If Satan had Paul given to him by the Lord, which he did, do you think it would be some little hangnail? Do you think that the Apostle Paul had a hangnail from the devil? The devil knew that the Apostle Paul was the most influential man on earth for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It buffeted him. He did not want it. He prayed in verse 8 three times that it might depart from me. Verse 9, here's what God said back. My grace is sufficient for thee. Did we already learn that in chapter 9? That there's all sufficient grace? And God is able to give all that sufficient grace for every good work? My grace is sufficient for thee? For my strength, my Holy Spirit's strength, is made perfect in weakness. The situation that you're in, Paul, with that thorn in the flesh is going to give you an opportunity to use excessive power that other people don't use. You can use it and glorify me before others because I've given you a trial different than theirs. Most, what a, that's, a, that's a period. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God told Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. What did Paul respond with? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Amen. Most gladly. How much glad, gladness is that? Most gladly will I glory in my infirmities. I'm going to be excited about this thorn in the flesh that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What is the power of Christ? It's the Holy Spirit. When we say in the Bible with Paul in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Where does that strength come from? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is in heaven. Do you understand that Jesus is in heaven? He's done the heavy lifting. He said it is finished. He has sat down. But there's a part of the Godhead, there's a person of the Godhead. Let me rephrase that. There's a person of the Godhead that isn't sitting down. He's inside us. And that's the strength of Christ. He's called the Spirit of Christ in the New Testament. It's Christ in us. It's how Jesus fulfilled his word in John 13, 14, 15, and 16 when he said, My Father and I will come unto you, and we will dwell with you, and we will abide with you forever. Jesus is abiding in heaven. How's he abiding with us? By the Holy Spirit. Amen. By the Holy Spirit, which is called the Spirit of Christ. That's how he's in both places, by that divine Spirit. Look at that. What problem do you have in your life? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I need that thorn in the flesh. I need Satan buffeting me because without it, how can I show the power of Christ in my life? If everything is working out for me just the way that it should, if everything is working out for me just the way that it should, what can, how can I show the power of Christ in my life? Right. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. And I'm sorry for every single one of you that have infirmities. But I trust a sovereign God that opened Psalm 97. The Lord reigneth. And so we trust him. And so there's power. There's sufficient power for any infirmity. Look at Colossians chapter 1. I'm sorry. What I'm saying is I don't like time. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Paul's prayers... There is a reason our prayer meetings have changed. And for those of you that don't like the way that our prayer meetings have changed, you have a serious 
spiritual problem. Right. And we are not going to change them except to make them more spiritually minded than ever. Amen. Because the last thing we need to be praying about is your body. The last thing we need to be praying about is your family. The first thing that we need to be praying about is your spirit. The first thing that we need to be praying about is God's spirit in us. The highest thing we need to be praying about is the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, our families, our marriages, and our church. Let's get things first. And they're not even close. It's not like one and two are just neck and neck with each other. They're not even close. They're on two separate lists. Well, now that I've prayed for spiritual things, I guess I can take two minutes and pray for natural things. That's more like it. Amen. We ought to be begging God for spiritual things and seeking His kingdom first, and He'll take care of the other things. Right. He wants us seeking spiritual values first. That's the emphasis in the Bible. Why don't you show me the verses in the Bible and show me how many of them? It'll take you a long time to collate them all together where you pray for jobs and pray for your health. Show them. Bring them to me. Send the list. I know it's going to take minutes and minutes for it to download into my computer. <laughs> but do you want to hear some spiritual prayer requests? Here we go. Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 9. For this cause we also, that's Paul and the apostles, and Timothy our brother, in verse 1. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, don't, I'm not upset at anyone. I'm just concerned about our church and every one of your souls that we have our priorities correct. Amen. God did not let us sit on our 35th year anniversary, God immediately convicted us together to hear a sermon series called Higher Ground. Right. And that is what we're pressing for. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Oh, we're, these, these are Paul's constant daily prayers for the church at Colossae. What's, what are his prayer requests? And to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's his first prayer request. Number two, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Number three, being fruitful in every good work. Number four, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Number five, strengthened with all might. Number six, according to his glorious power. Number seven, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. And it goes on and on. It's a nine verse sentence. I've read three verses. Look at the prayer requests. That's why we're praying the way that we pray, because we want to pray biblically. Listen, I'd rather have you walking with God and full of the Holy Ghost, being filled with all joy, peace, and abounding hope, and die in front of us, and I say it about me as well, than to have you live another 10 years and not be full of the Holy Ghost and divine power. And if you had your heart right, you would agree with that. Amen. And I say it about myself as well. We have three choices. Lord, kill us now and get us out of here because we're not walking in your spirit. Or, give me your spirit and let me live longer so that I can show it. Amen. We don't want to live longer without his spirit. If you want to live longer without his spirit, you're a reprobate. And how do I know if you're a reprobate or not? What are the priorities in your prayers? What are the priorities in your prayers? This is a saved man. Right. This is a saved man. If any man thirst, and do you know what isn't referenced? H2O. If any man thirst, do you know what isn't referenced? How much you have in your refrigerator. If any man thirst, it's entirely a spiritual equation. I'm trying to blast the gospel trumpet to you. Amen. 
Colossians, it's beautiful. We had a fabulous Sunday evening service about 15 years ago, and we took those nine verses, and every man could get in the pulpit and pick one phrase, only one, one phrase out of this nine-verse sentence and get in the pulpit and go off about it. We had a wonderful service. I still remember it because that is one sentence of Scripture that is full of wonderful things. Amen. Let's close with this verse. 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. How able is God? What's God able to do? God's able to do all kinds of things towards you. Do I want you all to be in health? Absolutely. I want you all on treadmills beside me tomorrow morning, early in the morning, racing me. All of you. Yes. I want you to all be in health. Do I have a Bible verse for wanting you all to be in health? Yes. I'm going to help you get your list started right now. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius. It's 3 John. Whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Even as thy soul prospereth. Ha ha. See? The Bible's always in, it, in right order. Do you know why John and Gaius cared about each other's health? Because their spirit was as good as it could get. Because the soul was prospering. Then we can add bodily health. But if the soul isn't prospering, we want that first. That's all I'm saying. Listen, anybody want to join me tomorrow at the gym? I'll pay for your one-day membership. And you better be ready. I control your up and down arrows for speed and elevation. Or worse yet, Sherry does. All of that is just to be late for a moment. Look at 1 Peter 5.10. But the God of all grace, this is our God. He's the God of all power, Paul taught us. That's seven times. But the God of all dominion, the God of all authority, but the God of all grace here, who hath called us unto his eternal glory, that's heaven, by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. I like those four words. Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. He's able to do that by the power that's in him, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Brethren, let's keep our priorities straight. We have a prayer meeting on Thursday evening. We had one this past week. And those prayer requests are for us to make sure that we're exalting the prayer requests of the Bible so that God is pleased with our church and gives us a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. If he gives us a greater measure of the Holy Spirit out of your individual belly and out of the belly of this church will flow rivers, plural rivers, of living water. A superabundant supply overcoming any deficiency, weakness, or fault, or difficulty, or trouble, or need that you have by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is able to shed it abroad in your hearts. He is able to shed it abroad through your mouths. And we are able to sound out the word of the Lord in the whole earth to Christ lovers everywhere, which is what we're trying to do. But we need God to bless that effort. And he blesses that effort as we love his son and run to his son, and believe on his son, and embrace his son, and choose the Lord Jesus Christ as our way to live every day. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.